This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in term supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You were in the dark having a number two. <laughs> the lights went out and when you went for the paper... You got no shit one. paper. <laughs> <laughs> Decision. I'm with Gianfranco Zola. I feel that Knockart is looking for this penalty. Penalty, 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 penalty. Knockart takes, Almunia saves, Knockart follows in. Almunia saves again, Almunia saves again, Almunia saves again. Now here come Watford, now here come Watford, now here come Watford. Here Watford. Here's Hawk, D.A. Do not scratch your eyes. one isn't particularly humorous it's just a bit of something you that people wouldn't have been aware of that surprised me so if you remember in the Premier League season um I think by the time we played Man United at home I think we were relegated yeah, we, end of the Matt, season uh, and so that that game meant nothing to us you know we were down um and they were managed by Alex Ferguson who him and Graham didn't get on at all and that dated back to England times you know when Man United would regularly pull a player out of an England squad for an injury and then you'd see him training on the Tuesday. You know, it was, yeah. there was lots of bad blood there. Um, and on that day, when they were travelling down, a call came into the club to say, um, we insist that our team bus comes down and our players get off the team bus and we align the door of the bus with the tunnel so there's no way your fans come into contact with it. And then we want the tunnel, you know the plastic tunnel yep. in the we want that pulled right out onto the pitch so that when our players walk on the pitch, they don't have to come into contact with any of your fans. Right. And Friendly. Taylor, absolutely. But they, Man United insisted. So we had to pull the tunnel out on the pitch. So basically what they were saying was we want this sanitised area so our players get off the bus, go to the changing room, walk to the pitch, but do not come into contact with anybody, any fans or anybody associated with what. They surely could have refused on the... Could have done. But then... We didn't because I think, yeah. you know, I think Graham's view was, well, maybe he wants a reaction and I'm not going to give him a reaction. So we'll do it exactly. And I think also, if you remember, they played pretty much a reserve team. You know, we had Jordi Cruyff and Raymond van der Howe. Yeah. You know, they didn't pick any of their first team players, which is also another way, I think, of Alex saying, 
not only am I going to insult you, I'm then going to bring down my reserves, which I know will beat you. And they did. And they did. You know, I just, yeah. that, that was a sign of proper bad blood that mm. you know, I didn't realise it went on. I mean, I knew there were shenanigans and I knew you always have stories about, you know, people turning the showers to cold and that sort of thing. But I'd never experienced that before where we were pretty much told by Man United, you know, that we don't want to come into contact with any of your fans. That's... It just amazed me. Yeah, that's not a very nice story at all, is it? It's uh, a bit unsavoury. I do remember something slightly different when um, <clears throat> Liverpool came down and they walked through the rookery end. I can't, I can't remember why, but Patrick Berger and Michael Owen and all these players were walking through the rookery end while we were sort of standing there getting a pint. It's like, this is a bit bizarre. Never seen that before. That was, yeah, just an aside. I just thought I'd mention that because... Um... No, no, it's good. No, I'm, I'm glad you did. That's interesting because I didn't realise there was bad blood between them. I always thought Fergie was at Graham Taylor's funeral, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, which I thought was interesting, but they just didn't really get on, you know. Yeah, there wasn't a great deal of respect there. I thought it was a quite a good touch from Ferguson to go to Graham's funeral, you know, and, and show some respect because there was a lot of managers who could have gone that didn't. Um, right, another punter's question. This is from Lee Johnson. It kind of goes back a little bit. Lee Johnson, bit. not the son of Gary who played in midfield. Current Hibernian manager. Hibernian yes. manager, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. looking at the picture. Yeah, I don't think it is. No. Um, it goes. It, it takes a little step back just regarding transfers and around that. But um, best transfer we were definitely trying to do that didn't happen. So basically, i.e. not a rumour. Great Ooh. question. Oh, that is good. Or any of them that, that, that yeah. we can now find out about. We heard about Iglitari the other day. The Iglitari was brilliant. That was the brilliant. Albanian. Just the thought of Luca spending two days in Germany for no real reason was, was funny about that. <laughs> I suppose the one, the one that sticks in my mind because of the player's name was Stern John. Oh, I remember Stern John? We were trying to sign, and I think he actually played for Columbus Crew, which is relevant because that's yeah. what. I remember for ages, I think I was at the Watford Observer, it was quite rare then for you to sign a player from America or to sign a player from an African country. And suddenly we were in for Stern John. I'm pretty certain Luther went out to watch him play in America. And, you know, for, for weeks we were signing Stern John and we'd done this background, you know, that just because of the name, well, you know, did, did he play in the same team as, you know, mildly irritated Dave, you know, just <laughs> quite unhappy Pete because Stern John's just great name. That's a great and name. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he went to Nottingham Forest and we never saw him. Bizarre. But yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be like the big thing. You know, we've unearthed this gem. He's a real goal scorer. You know, do your background on him. He's in America. We did all the research and he never came. So yeah, Stern John sticks in my mind. I can't really remember any that didn't go through. I'm trying I remember, to I remember under Roda, so obviously this predates your yeah. going back there, was the uh, Norwegian player Sigurd Rushfeldt, uh, who was going to be Rushfeldt, yeah, who was supposed to be the player who would come in and replace Paul Furlong. But of course he never did, so we ended up with Jamie Morley and <laughs> not not an awful lot else, yes. <laughs> Ollie Phillips was doing like, you know, kind of two paragraphs on him every, every week for about eight months and he never materialised. So there must have been a number of them. Yeah, you do get that, but I, I can't remember. I mean, it's a really dull answer, but I can't remember anyone, you know, sort of the slip by that I got very excited about. I, as I say, the best story was Iglitari because it just went on and on and on for a whole summer. It was like, a, what's that TV programme, um, Hunted? It was like, you know, that someone had said, all you've got to do this summer is stay out of reach of Gianluca Vialli. So he, he took the bold move of leading Germany to go to Italy. You know, I just imagine someone back in Watford going, we've got, we've picked up a burner phone. We've got him. You know, he's, he's not in Germany anymore. He's in Brescia. 
where's Luther? He's in Germany. Oh, shit. That's the only one I can remember. So sorry whoever answered that question. Sorry, Lee Johnson, but that's a very dull answer, I'm afraid. So, uh, yeah, story time. Um, right, OK. Um, playoff semi-final, first leg. So there have been, what, 99. We used to train at Stanmore at that time. And I think the, the agreement we had meant that we couldn't train beyond a certain date in May, which was generally the end of the season. Then suddenly our season went on into the rest of May and Stanmore had turned their football pitch into cricket pitches and we couldn't go there. So we had to train somewhere else. So for at least a week, we trained at West Hart Sports Club in the town because it was available and it was handy. And I think the first or second day we were training, it was pure build up to the playoffs. So it would have been perhaps a Tuesday before the Saturday first leg. And the player, you know, the players, and I, I'd gone down for something. We were doing something later in the day and I was sat in the, the pavilion and Graham was in there. The players were just doing a warm up, jogging around the field. And all of a sudden there was a commotion and we went outside <laughs> and there were two semi-naked women in only a thong jogging around with the players and a photographer was running with them. And it was like, you had to sort of like, now let me just check, I rub my eyes. There are two semi-naked women running around with the photographer. The Sunday Sport had sent down a pair of twins who were topless models with a, a you know, a snapper and were trying to get pictures of these two girls running around to see if they get, you know, the players involved. Taylor was furious. So I went up, being a gentleman, I went after the two girls to cover them up. Of course, know. as I would do. Yeah, oh, quite right. <laughs> and Graham went after the photographer. And I think the photographer was going to hit him. And all Graham did was open the back of the camera and take the film out. Brilliant. Fuck off. Brilliant. So that, that <laughs> those pictures never materialised then. I don't think so, but it was just a weird thing to suddenly come out. You know, West Hart Sports Club, been there many times, and there's two girls literally in thongs running around naked. And you can imagine there's 20 blokes trying to clock what's going on, but realising <laughs> there's a photographer there, so I better not do anything because I don't want Mrs. whoever yeah. to think I'm yeah. remotely <laughs> interested in these two young yeah. nubile ladies. <laughs> So, yeah, that was just a completely random thing. That How random is that? That's bizarre. <laughs> That's bizarre. I don't quite know what the angle was there, you know. I just remember yeah. they were twins. Mm. And one of them kept saying, I do this for a living, you know. As if... As if <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, we'll carry on with that. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what, Sorry, you, you I, chase I, footballers I, in a thong for a living, right? I hadn't clocked that there was a market for running round in a thong at football. There training. you go. There you go. Maybe we should start doing it, Carl. I mean, were you, were you based? I mean, you mentioned it there. I mean, it's, it's kind of just a logistical thing because obviously we take it for red now that most of the time everybody's based up at the training ground and there's lots of infrastructure there. Where were you based? Were you based mainly at, at, the, at the club itself? You've got to, you've got to, I mean, Stanmore, when I first went there, Stanmore was literally, you know, it'd be like training at Cashby Park. It was a set of fields with football pitches and some changing rooms and that was it. You know, we used to do the press conferences in a, in a stairwell. There was nothing there. It was literally just that. And then obviously we went to London Colney, which was better. Um, certainly nothing like it is. I've, I've just written... I keep sounding like I'm bigging myself up. I've written a piece about the training ground just because I've not been there for 20 years. You know, it was, it was, it, it's incredible. So that piece will pop up soon. But no, I was based at the stadium. So I would go up the training ground. If I was there, I'd try and make it worth my while to do various things. But sometimes, you know, you do training ground and back, training ground and back in a couple of days. And then sometimes you do a midweek reserve away game. So you, and I always just go to all the other away games. So, I mean, I remember being particularly bitter in the year we were in the Premier League, we drew Wigan away in a cup tie. I think Wigan or no, Middlesbrough. And obviously Tuesday night Middlesbrough, not a great away trip. And it went to extra time. And then Juninho scored like two minutes into extra time. You think, you arse. Why didn't you <laughs> early so we could have gone home? 
you know, because that meant then another long trip down the motorway when you'd, you'd stop in a service station sort of south of Sheffield to have a pee and be introduced to the world of people who go to service stations late at night when nothing's open. <laughs> you know, which, away trips like that, I do remember, yeah, my, my way of dealing with it was as I left the ground at a long away trip in midweek would be a can of Red Bull and two Pro Plus tablets. And then you'd get to sort of Birmingham, you'd have another can of Red Bull and that would see you home. For was you'd get home and you couldn't go to sleep because you were just massively wired. wired. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, you flick the telly on, I think, I just watch Men and Motors for an hour. Yeah. Uh, anything, I, you know, I'll watch The Hitman and Her if it's on, but I can't go to sleep because my body is telling me I should be awake. Yeah, yeah Pro Plus and Red Bull, well, they've got me through that. Did. Men and, and Motors. Yeah. Punter's question, I think. Punter's question. question. I've, well, I've just noticed one's snuck in here, but I'm going to very quick answer, and then we'll actually go on to a proper one. Uh, Chris Bone has put: Is calzone a pizza or a big pasty? There you are. Ooh. Look, bearing in mind you know my eating, <laughs> I don't care what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it just tastes nice. <laughs> Any name you like, you know. Look, I, I, I mean, I. I I don't care. In in the same way, you know, I, I I don't care what's on a fry up as long as I get one. You know, it's it's just that's it. Yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah, it's a folded over pizza, as far as I'm concerned. It's a pizza sandwich. Yeah, there we are. Pizza sandwich is throwing a new one in. Yeah. It's yeah. not a pasty because it's not got a pastry base. It's got a bread base. It is a folded pizza. It is. Don't want to don't want to call rank here, but you know. I've eaten my share. We I know the we, difference. We provide many many things on this podcast and. You've just witnessed that there. Right. <laughs> Actual question now. This comes from Simon Parkins, and he has put, based upon your knowledge of, of who is doing what at the club, do you think that Gino should be a legal director of the club? And if yes, would you care to speculate as to why he isn't? Oh, that's, that's an extremely knowledgeable financial question, which... My, my knowledge is so little in terms of what's financially right and wrong that I don't know if I could answer that. I mean, the only thing I could say is he's the owner of the club. So I'm guessing, and it is a guess, if he wants to be a director, he'll be a director. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. And I'm guessing that whatever he's doing is within the boundaries of the law. So, I, you know, I might, I, I'm not a financial expert at all. I know nothing about the finances and how it works only enough to know you know to be able to comment but I, I wouldn't be an expert at all and I'm guessing Simon is so the fact he's asked that question would suggest that he thinks Gino should be a director I wouldn't know um it's too difficult for me to answer great question though thank you yeah oh, it was excellent question and um yeah there's been a few people who've asked me on social media can you follow up with this question or that question to Scott and I will try but as you can imagine, when, when you've had sat with someone for two hours, I'm probably not going to know two hours for a little while. Mm. So it might not happen straight away, but I don't ignore what people say and I will try and ask. And, you know, I, some of the things I've asked today of the manager or the head coach were things I'd seen people ask. So I do try, but you can't be around everybody. No, of course. Com complex financial stuff like that. Even if I asked it, I don't know that I'd understand the answer or whether it was true or correct so i might have to get someone else to ask those really tricky ones now let's get back to a story right we get i'm getting into the to the really silly stuff now this one is one of my favorites so back in the day when i was based at vicarage road before we had the nice rookery stand there were offices behind the stand and my or our office the press office if you imagine you would come through reception there was a long corridor and there was a small office on the left that was the academy office at the end was a slightly bigger office. That was the marketing office. There was a set of stairs that went up to 
Graham's office and John Alexander's office. And then next to the stairs was a door. And that was our office. It used to be a post room. And they cleared it out and they put two desks in it. And that's where we sat. And that's where players came in. It was quite a nice, quiet office. And players would come and do interviews. And they knew where we were. And, and it was lovely. You know, they'd come and see us. And then one day, Richard Walker was out of the office, left his mobile phone on the desk. Uh, Steve Palmer came in who, believe it or not, was actually quite a prankster, quite a high-level prankster. He wasn't a whoopee-cushion type prankster. You know, he was he was into thinking things through. So he saw Richard's phone. I saw him pick it up, and he did something. He put it down, and he said, uh, tell Richard I'll see him later. So, all right. Richard comes back in. He picks his phone. He says, God, I've got, like, 20 missed messages. What's going on? Palmer had sent a message to all that just said, I need you. <laughs> Richard ran a Sunday football team. So all the parents and the boys were on his phone. So everyone in his list got this message saying, oh, that's brilliant. I need you. So there were things like, you know, friends of his saying, are you all right? Do you want to call me? Then there's others like his mate saying, what is wrong with you? You ask, you know, <laughs> everybody. And all afternoon, as fast as he's replying to him, the phone is buzzing away with, I need you messages. And when Palmer came in, like, you know, Richard went, yeah, fair play. And Steve went, oh, you know, you never top that. But he shouldn't have issued that challenge. So Richard and I sat there and thought, all right, we've got to get our own back here. So what we did was we went online to, uh, there's websites you can go to where if you're interested in, I don't know, knitting, you can tick some boxes and say, I'd like to get some brochures about knitting. There's thousands of things. And there's also a click all button. So we clicked click all. And then we sent it to Mr. Stevie Palmer Rooney at his address in Watford, which we knew. And we waited. And about a week later, he stuck his ever in the door and went, very good, very good, you're right. And we said, what he said, I had about 100 things turn up today, brochures for how to make your own moccasins, you know, how to teach yourself to look around corners, plot your own hiking holiday in Bavaria. He's very good. We thought that was the end of it. He came back about a week later and said, you know, I live in a, the top floor of like a flat apartment. He said, the postman will now not bring the stuff up because there's too much of it. There's like, he said there was a sack today and he buzzed and went, I'm bringing this up, governor. You have to come and get it. And he brought the sack in and put it on the desk. And it was, it was like, you know, like that hype, just full of, you know, how to talk to your dog mystically, all this completely <laughs> random stuff, you know, brochures on, you know, you bends for plumbing. And, and the thing was, as fast as he was cancelling them, they were just ignoring it. He moved house and they came with him because <laughs> he had to forward his mail. They still kept coming. So for months afterwards, he was getting these absolutely obscure brochures that just, he could not stop it. So that was that one of the best things. You, know, you thought you got us with the I miss you, I need you. No, we got you back with thousands and thousands of absolutely random brochures. That's fantastic. Absolutely Super. fantastic. Spamming him with Super. junk mail. <laughs> Don't mess with the press office, boys. No. <laughs> you said you said about the press office. What was the press office like in, on, or around deadline day? Because I appreciate deadline day is now kind of bedlam and what have you. But um, back in the time, we used to get, it used to be kind of around the end of March, around that sort of yeah, time. Well, like that. I think it was the end of March. Um, I mean, this is this is in the days when you know we used to fax stuff out. So, for the younger listener. Um, a fax was a machine where you put a piece of paper in at one end and press send and the piece of paper disappeared into the fax machine and the person at the other end got a piece of sort of toilet roll quality paper <laughs> with a copy of what you'd sent. Um, that that it sums pretty, it up. <laughs> you know, it, it and was... I remember, I remember we, we got a new fax machine 
that you could sort of mass load numbers. So rather than having to send it 50 times, you could press one thing and it sent one 50 times. You get what yeah. I mean? And on, on, you know, on transfer deadline day, the facts got hot, you know, because there'd be questions coming in and because didn't have email. Or if we did have email, people didn't know it. So you'd get, you know, media outlets, facts and stuff, and we'd just sit there. But most of the time, you knew what was going to happen. You know, it wasn't like now where, you know, you'd go down a training ground at 11 o'clock and be hoping that, you know, someone had flown in on a private jet and you were giving pizzas out to reporters. You know, you pretty much knew it was five o'clock transfer deadline day, you know. So the only one I can remember of any interest was um, when we signed Hyder Helgson. I don't know if it was deadline, but it must have been, it was around Christmas time. And it was a trying to get, I think it was a deadline to get him to play on the Saturday against Liverpool. Yeah. And again, all I had was a load of stuff in Icelandic. You know, oh, that's handy. Yeah. yeah. My Icelandic's not great. No. Um, <laughs> but I did my best. But what I did was I put a press release out that said that Haider was born in striker because I'd mistaken where he was born with the position he played on the pitch. Uh... So he was he was down as having been born in striker and his playing position was Throtter, a small village. <laughs> In North Iceland, That's and fantastic. I can imagine that you know there's a lot of people who thought very random position he plays in. <laughs> I might think that he should be born in a place that also is the same area the pitch he plays in. It could be, yeah, fantastic. Hyder's gone nuts. He thinks he's a small fishing village in North Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> he scored so, in that we, game, didn't he? That that he's yeah, yeah, against Liverpool. Yeah, he did. Great header. Yeah, Richard Johnson scored a long range. We lost three two. I think. Yeah, it was a good game. I remember it being a good game, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool were in their green kit, weren't they? They were. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Green, green, blue and white thing, wasn't it? I remember, De- oh, who hit the ball? And I, I thought it had gone in. There's Little, I think it was. There's Little. He, abs- he absolutely wellied this ball and it just missed the cross. And I thought it had gone in. So I'd gone. Rah! It hadn't. Sports Social, now on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Ashley Blaker, and I'm hosting a new season of the comedy panel show, Never Write Off the Germans, in partnership with my diesel claim. Join me and my esteemed comedy guests as we discuss all that's ridiculous with the greatest show on earth this winter in a host nation with domestic football equivalent to the Isthmian League South. We'll guide you through the tournament, covering everything that's funny with the countries taking part. Whether you're a diehard fan... Or an occasional bandwagon jumper just supporting your home nation until they're embarrassingly knocked out by Iran. Listen on the Sports Social Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. But remember, never write off the Germans. I'm just right <laughs> on to myself. Hi, this is Jay Demerit, and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Hunter's question. This is the last one. Right, so this is uh, around transfers. Uh, this comes from Wilson51. So it's kind of a two-parter. If you could sign one player for this season, who would it be and why? Now, that's a difficult one, I get, because I don't know where you're you're kind of looking at. But added to that, any transfer rumours you can tell us? Uh, who would I oh, sign? That's good. I mean, obviously, you know, if you if money was no object, you'd go out and sign Neymar and stick him up front and run right in the championship. But so no, being realistic, um, I mean, the one I wish we'd signed, and I know, I know we had the chance. I'd love to have had Ivan Tony in our forward line this season. Oh yes, yeah. You know, I mean, I think I think he's a guaranteed twenty five goals in the championship, and would probably allow someone else next to him to score, you know, fifteen or twenty as well, just because of the way he plays and looking at the way that Rob Edward wants to play, you know, with that sort of fulcrum of uh, someone who can hold the ball up, then, um, yeah, you know, I'd love to have an Ivan Tony in there or a player of that ilk who, you know, is just a proven goal scorer. Because everyone I've spoken to says, you know, if you if you want to do well next season, you're going to need someone who's going to bang in 20 or 25 goals. And 
I think yeah. Ivan Tony would. I mean, certainly if you get a penalty, he's almost certainly the scorer. I've not seen anyone take a penalty like him. And mm. yeah, so someone like Ivan Tony would 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 be ideal. Rumours. Um, well, I, I put something out. You know, that Benikafobi is not coming. He was on the list of players that um, the manager would like, but seems like he's he's had a very tempting move to go to Belgium. So um, he won't be coming. Other than that, you know. It, it would be. It's not fair to go and throw names out when I, you know, the names that I don't know that will come because they're all in the same position. But in terms yeah, of areas, yeah. definitely strikers, definitely strikers. You know, that was the thing that was said today. Is you know, we, you know, the manager. We got we bought the one guy in this week, um, Ao, um, who fits the bill. You know, that he's the sort of striker Rob was talking about today. You know, he kept. He, he's very good at sort yeah. of gesture. You know, I want the player when the ball comes up, it sticks here and drops to there and he holds it and brings people into play. And that's what he's looking for. So, you know, he obviously wants striking options. I mean, he does say that, you know, he thinks we've got a lot of quality in other areas of the pitch. So at the moment, striking is, is his priority. But then with needing to move players around and, and look at more non, you know, look at the, the non-homegrown players and how many we have so we don't overload, you know, it could be that there's more. But certainly at the moment, strikers yeah. and he was very relaxed it's, you know people are saying well we haven't moved in and Swansea have signed a whole squad or whatever and you know his view to that was well I would rather wait and get what I need and want than go early and get what you know I don't need and want so mm-hmm. in in so many ways you have to put your trust in, in what the manager's saying you know, he, he didn't give the appearance today of someone who was you know chomping at his nails because he hadn't made eight signings so yeah I, I don't really I don't really like rumours very much I mean the, the journalist in me doesn't like rumours because you know, we're going back to the club call days. You know, I, I I could write a story for the Watford Observer now that links us with three or four players that I've just plucked off the top of my head and it goes up on the Watford Observer website and it gets clicks and fans talk about it and we all debate it. But if I don't think it's true, what's the point of me doing it? You know, I, 100%, yeah. I like to be factual. So I understand that fans want to know and I understand that things get leaked and, you know, fans may get frustrated that there's a player we've been linked with repeatedly that we haven't said anything about. So from you know my with my old club hat on, if we'd have said on Monday, yeah, we're interested in a phobie, and then on Wednesday a phobie decides to join Club Rouge, we've built up the fans' expectations and then knocked it back down again. So you know I understand why the club don't comment on rumours too much. We didn't used to. So yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of rumours, but in this social media age, they're just part and parcel of what it is, you know. And as I wrote a couple of weeks ago in the Observer, you know, agents will plant stories, clubs will plant stories, players will plant stories, journalists will make stories up. And it's very hard to sift through all that and know what is real and what isn't because mm. rumour sells. So, you know, there's a reason why lots of websites carry rumours. It's because it gets you to click through. Mm. So, yeah. Do you, just just on a, a quick one, Andrew, just you talking there, it's brutal. Do you think that the, the, the homegrown element, and obviously us being in the championship, is going to dictate who we bring in? Because I'm still looking at that squad that, the, of players that are potentially there, and there's still a lot of players there that fall into that foreign category. So it, it, it's going to be it, it's going to be a difficult one to manage, I think. I'm talking to Rob today, he's quite clear that what he wants to try and avoid is a situation where on a Saturday he's looking at his list of players and thinking, well, if I take him, I can't take him. Mm. If I pick him, yeah. you can't pick him. He says, you know, what I don't really want is having three or four blokes who are good players or, you know, might be in consideration sitting at home on a Saturday because I can't take them with me 
or similarly able to take people I don't think are good enough because I've got a I've got an overload of non-grown homegrown players. So he's obviously got to balance that in mind. You're right, we have got a lot of non-homegrown players. So and unfortunately, so, so you know, there's been rumours, and I, I Daniel Backman was at the stadium today when I was there. So if he's having talks with Man United, it's not in person. So I tell you that much. He was he was at the stadium. But if Daniel Backman were to leave because he's classed as a homegrown player, we would then have to find a backup goalkeeper probably who's a homegrown player, because otherwise you're going to bring in a non-homegrown player, and that means, you you know, a book falls off the shelf at the other end. So mm. it's a problem, you know, and people say, well, we got rid of Cucho, but we bought in another non-homegrown player in Bayo. Yeah. That wasn't, you know, transfers don't work that way. It's not like you go, well, we've taken one out, so we'll add one in. It's all timing. That Cucho deal could have been completed last week, and then it'd have been seven clear days. You know, football doesn't work that way. It's certainly in the way I experienced it you know so it's not like you've got you know I, I use the phrase from the prices right you know there's contestants row and someone leaves and someone else comes in it's not quite like that you know that it's just the way it happens so anyone who thinks that we replaced Kucho with Bayer that's not the case it's just there's a striker we want to sign over there we're going to sign him at the same time another one's leaving you know no no one said well Philip Zinkenagel is, is on his way to Greece so therefore if we sign a foreign midfielder now, that's a direct replacement. It's not. It's just the way it happens. I, lo- I love the, uh, the uh, another reference to uh, to an antiquated TV show. Nobody else in 2022 is talking about the transfer market through the guise of come on down, the price is right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, you know, Challenge TV and all those great products. If only I could find a way of working in Bullseye. Well, one of the things that you mentioned in the article today when you mentioned it was the definition of a homegrown player. Because oh. when we did the spaces, and I, hands up everybody, I presumed it meant, as previously been the case, that it was anybody with working, you know, capabilities over, like, literally all the home countries. That doesn't sound like it's the case. Look, I, I spent the best part of a day reading through the Football League rules. Not for not for work pleasure, just because I'm a sad loser. No, I, I spent trying to work it out, and... Because there's so many sub clauses and they're written in a way, it's a bit like you know reading through your mortgage deeds, you know, where a solicitor <laughs> goes, "Oh, you can ignore that, but you know that that's what bit that counts." And you know, you'd read some. I could read it in so many different ways. As I understand it, in terms of nationalities, if you're talking about a young player, it, it, if they're registered with the FA or the FA of Wales, that counts as homegrown. But if they're registered with the FA of Scotland, it doesn't. Mm. So someone like Angelini, although he's would you know he's of the right age and he's he's been brought up in Scotland. He counts as a non-homegrown player at the moment because he's registered or was developed through the FA of Scotland. Same as an you know anyone from Northern Ireland wouldn't count, but if we get someone from Wales, it would. It, it just seems that you know it seems an unnecessary layer. You know we're used to the Premier League with you know you can have so many players in your squad, but suddenly the Football League went. Oh, hang on, we'll add another layer. You can only have eleven non-homegrown players in your squad on a match day. So effectively, they, I looked last season, there were teams who on occasion didn't name you know, 16, 17 players because I presume they'd run out. Yeah. Didn't want to put a 16-year-old on the bench. So they went with one or two less. You know, I'm guessing it's the pr- Football League's trying to encourage clubs to play players that have been de- developed in their academy or developed in this country, but it's sort of fallen a bit flat because you end up with squads managers going, I don't really want to play any 17-year-olds, so I'll go with one less sub. It just seems an unnecessary layer. But it, Rob today was saying about, you know, it does mean that on Saturdays, I don't want to be in a position where I'm, you know, I've got 18 players, but I've got too many non-homegrown, so I'm having to leave someone at home. Mm. I'd rather have less home, non-homegrown to start with, if I can, because it's less likely to cause me a problem. Who was I talking to the other day? I think it, I think it was Nick Wright. 
and he was saying, you know, that you get very frustrated. Now it was Tommy Smith, and he said, um, you know, you see people saying Spain develop great players, Germany develop great players, England, Britain develops great players, but there's a reticence to put them into the squad because for some reason people think, well, you know, because he's not Spanish or German, he can't be that good. He's 19. That hasn't stopped Mason Mount, hasn't stopped Trent Alexander-Arnold, hasn't stopped Phil Foden. You know, that's what you need to do is put your faith in these players. Because if you do, when you get up to the Premier League, they're still going to be good enough. You know, if Phil Foden was at a, a championship club and went up, he'd still hold a place down. We've seen that, same as Trent would. You, sooner or later, you've got to say, well, you know, if I'm going to solve this long term, I need to put a bit of faith in these players and, and play them in the championship and see if they're good enough and then give them a crack in the Premier League. Because I think one of the things that the club regret is when we were down last time, they barely played Gio Pedro. Mm, but yeah. when we saw him in the Premier League, you'd think, God, if we'd have played him last season, he'd have torn that league apart. But we didn't. You know, we didn't give him enough time. So, I don't know. Uh, the, the homegrown thing, I've read it and I've tried to explain it and almost wish I hadn't started because it's like trying to knit fog. You know, I just can't, <laughs> can't do it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I might I might remove that article just because I wish I hadn't started it. <laughs> right. Have we got a story? I've got one, two, I've got three left. So I'm saving the, my favourites for last. So, okay. Um, and I think I wrote about this one in, in Tales from the Vicarage, but halfway through the Premier League season, um, Graham Taylor decided that, although we'd done media training, that because the demands of the media were, were increasing, that we would have some more media training, we'd do a full day of it. So we brought in a professional company um, who were headed up by Graham Miller, who used to present sport on ITV News. And was, he brought along a professional cameraman and he did the interviews. And then we had a, someone who did radio interviews. And it was pretty much a, you know, it was role playing. Graham Miller would stand there and interview as if it was an interview. And then we would watch the interviews back. So it's things like, you know, some players, when they were talking to the camera, would look away and look back, look away at the back. And then when we played it back, it looked like their head was on a spring, you know, because when you did it in fast forward, it looked like they were, so it was little things like that, you know, don't stand sideways, you know, just, just things that we would learn about posture and, don't, you know, try not to say the same words over, you know, I think, or footballers have a habit of saying, obviously, when things aren't obvious, mm. because it just feels awkward, you know, well, obviously, the weather made a difference. Did it? But it was fine, you know, obviously, you don't know what to say next. Or they also say, well, as I said, when they hadn't said the thing they're about to say, right? You know, again, it, it just fills that thinking time. So we would we would play that, and it was a good way of teaching them, and they really benefited from it. But what I wanted to say was the Saturday before we played Newcastle, um, can't remember the scores, but Alan Shearer played, and at the time, from some reason, wherever he went, home fans gave him a hard time. You know, like you said earlier, pick on the star, and ours had done the same. He taken a bit of abuse, and I think Bobby Robson had been asked about it in the press conference and said, "I don't understand." You know, the boat's a national treasure, yada yada yada. So one of the questions that Graham Miller was doing, we took each player in turn about Saturday's game, and you know, what did you think of the treatment of Alan Shearer? And we came to Michelle Ngongi. Lovely blow, really good fun. So when Graham, Graham Miller said, so Michelle, you played in the game on Saturday, Alan Shearer, England captain, took a fair bit of abuse. And what do you think drives that? Because the fans are drunk. And, <laughs> and Miller went, sorry, he said, well, the fans are drunk. They go out in Watford, they go to the pub, the Red Lion, they get pissed, they come in, they're drunk, they abuse players. And you could see Miller suddenly, I'm forget I'm doing media training, this is a story. So you're saying, you're saying, Michelle Ngongi, that Watford fans deliberately abuse him because they're, yes, yeah. I've never seen, Taylor was in the room next door. I think we'll stop this one now. I think we'll stop this one. <laughs> no, Michelle, you can't say That's that. That's brilliant. You told me to be honest. Yeah, but not that honest. You know, not that honest, yeah. <laughs> but 
because we are trying to make them be honest and you know speak the facts but yeah michelle no although you may be right and i might think the same mm. you cannot say on record that our <laughs> fans get pissed and then go in and abuse players it's not a good idea no terrible. That, that's one story now the penultimate one when you work in football particularly in the press office you get to encounter all sorts of people so you have people who media they ask you questions fans you meet random people just in the course of work and one of the random people that i dealt with or we dealt with i never met was this guy and i think he lived in hampshire and he collected football memorabilia but when i say football memorabilia he didn't collect stuff that other people might collect he collected things like football team sheets or car park passes so he would he would contact us and say um i see you've got a reserve game on wednesday night could i have a copy of the team sheet please and we would send him one and (laughs) we did this regularly through a season and then in the summer he wrote a letter and said, I'm really grateful for all, you know, and I've noticed that you've you paid all the postage and never, I really appreciate that. Would it be possible if I sent you 50 pre-stamped envelopes that you could send me a team sheet from all the first team games and all the reserve team games and any other games played at Vicarage Road? And if, I, if you run out, I'll send you more envelopes because, you know, I really love team sheets, which is quite a thing to confess to. Mm. And I got the, I got the letter... And I thought, yeah, why not? So I just put a note on the bottom to Richard and said, Rich, could you so- sort out this sad sack for me and <laughs> you know, deal with it? And oh, Richard said, I know what's coming. On. I think I know so what's coming. <laughs> he sent the first team sheet back, but included the original letter with my note on it. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> so then the, I knew you were going to say letter. that. Got another letter from the same guy saying, um, Dear Press Office, thanks very much for sending me the first team sheet. I'm very grateful. When you are a sad sack like I am, it's never helpful when someone points it out to you. <laughs> Yours in sport, Dave from Hampshire. Yours in sport. Wow. That could have got Yours that could have sport. gone so much worse, couldn't it? I'm gonna pose a question. I'm gonna pose a question to all three to all three of you. I want to know what is gonna be your five-a-side team from Watford, but you can only have one player from the 70s, one from the 80s, one from the 90s. One from the 2000s and one after 2010. Good but you've God. got to put together a five-a-side team. I don't know who's it going to be. 70s. Why do you think I'm offering this out to the group, you whippersnapper <laughs> of a grandfather? <laughs> from, my, from my memory of us winning the evening standard five-a-side, you don't want Ooh. to really talk slow players in there because five-a-side's quite a rapid game. If you remember when we won it, it was the likes of Gary Porter, Andy Hessenthal and Nigel Gibbs. So, you know, you're going to be ruling out your Ross Jenkins, not going to be for him. So you want some some rapid people in there, in which case the goalkeeper is academic. So we might as well take a goalkeeper from the 70s because all they're going to do is stand in a small goal. So let's take uh, Steve Sherwood, stick Steve Sherwood in goal, that's me. And I take it we're playing sort of a, a 2-1-1. You're, you're, you're the manager, you can choose. Uh, you see, Carl, this is how you take on this kind of question. You've got, you've got to take Luther up front. So there's my player from the 80s. Oh, there you go. Take Luther up front. In fairness, um, Luther could come from the 70s, the 80s, or indeed the 90s. Oh, the 90s, 90s yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No need for such pedantry. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking him from the 80s. I do apologise. It's my inner Garth Crooks. That's all I can say. You do so. So in the 90s, I would have to take Andy Hessenthaler in midfield because he's got winning form in a five-a-side tournament. When we won. That's my player from the 90s. 
So I've got two. I've got the. Uh, I've got to take a couple of defenders here, haven't I? Or maybe a midfielder and a defender from the current era. So from the. So what have I got left? The nineties, the two thousands. Oh, you've got the two thousands and the twenty tens thereafter. Because you've done seventies, you've done eighties, and you've done nineties. I'm going to need a couple of rapid defenders in there, aren't I? I've got to find two. Either a defender or a utility player might be quite nice. Oh, look at this. So can I bring in Kapoo? Oh, yeah. You yeah, can bring in Kapoo. Kapoo, because not only is he a, a superb midfielder, at times he's filled in at the back, and I think he'd be quite happy sweeping up. So okay. Kapoo in there, and I'm taking Kapoo from the sort of more modern era. So I've got to take a 2000s player. Yeah. Who's probably got to be a defender. So I'm taking Jay Demerit. Oh, good one. Oh, look at this. Good one. So, so we are going Steve Sherwood, Jay Demerit. Jay Demerit at the back. Etienne midfield of Etienne Capoue and Andy Hessenthaler. With Lufa up front. I mean, I think Capoue and Hessenthaler are going to cover the ground no problem at all. Um, a demerit, you know, very, very good defender, man marker, blissy, lethal, got a bit of pace in there, got a bit of trickery. And, you know, Steve Sherwood hasn't got to worry because nothing's going to come in high to be edited out of his hands. So, <laughs> a cup final <laughs> reference. Yeah. So, uh, there we are. Like Even it. quickly, I've come up with a half decent team there. That's, that's yeah. tremendous. You've done well there. You've yes, done well. That's superb. Right. I'll give you my last humorous story, which personally is my absolute favourite, which I tell people a lot because I just think it's so funny. And it, also shows the mindset of myself and Richard when we worked at the club. So like I said to you, our office was in a corridor, so there wasn't much else there. There was the marketing team at one end, staircase, academy, reception. But ironically, opposite our office door was the gents' toilet. And the gents' toilet had a solid door. There was no glass, it was a wood door. And in that toilet was one urinal and one sit-down. So obviously, if someone went in there and they were in there for a decent period of time, they weren't using the urinal, they were using the sit-down. But for some reason, the light switch to that toilet was outside the room. So we could see the light switch. And so one day we just thought it might be interesting to see what happens if, because there's no natural light in that room, it's a solid walls, what happens when you switch the light off? And what happens is people panic. And we <laughs> caught a member of staff in there, we turned the light off, this voice went, oh! because they were obviously in the dark, probably with their trousers around their ankles. And we had a good laugh at that. And then we thought, we'll take this to another level. Who can we capture in the toilet, in the dark? So one of, my, one of our claims to fame is we caught Italian footballing legend Gianluca Viali having a number two in the toilet and turned the light off on him. <laughs> Yeah, as you do. I also caught former Bradford chairman Jeffrey Richmond on a Saturday afternoon at 10 to 3, who obviously got caught short and was running in there. And I thought, he's in a problem. And he was in there a while. And I turned the light off and never went back. I never <laughs> oh, oh, even better. Yeah, even left better. Him, left him there in the dark, you know. This very quite large man of some significance who was only well, chairman of Bradford at the time. Having a put in the dark, that was good. The next level was when we knew there was going to be people coming in, we then would take the toilet roll and leave one sheet on it so that it looked like there was more. But when you pulled it, there was only one sheet. So you were in the dark, having a number two, the lights went out, and when you went for the paper... You got no shit paper. (laughs) And we did this 
for many, many, many months. <laughs> I think Viali was the, was the most famous. We regularly caught people we work with or visitors, and that that used to amuse us no end. You know, <laughs> shows how warped we were. But yeah, the fact that I turned the light off on one of Italy's finest footballing <laughs> talents while he was having a number two. You know, natural light it's probably one of my biggest highlights of, of my career <laughs> well we I can't know, say we've done that you know i know it's pathetic but you know just to say i was able to do it yeah i can't think of any more you that is that is my list of stories that i came up with in the last week that is brilliant well fantastic i tell you mate it, they're gonna go down as well as the first batch i reckon um i hope so they I will so. they I definitely will silly and puerile but you know, that's... <laughs> that is the level, that is the level we aspire to. <laughs> yeah. We don't go above that generally, so that's fantastic, yeah. yeah. Once again, Andrew, you've been an absolutely amazing guest. Thank you very much for giving up so much of your time to uh, recall some of those stories that uh, you remember from your time at Watford. Um, like I say, last time you were on, we had some really, really good responses, and I, I, I can only imagine it's going to be really, really positive again. So thank you so much for talking to us. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure and uh, happy to do it again. Let, let's hope we can do it again mid-season when um, all the things that we hope are going to happen, all the changes we hope are going to happen have, have, have materialised. Absolutely. Thanks to everyone that's um, got involved and sent us uh, questions, the punters questions. Um, hopefully we get to do it again with Andrew, like you just said, during the, uh, the, the mid-season and we'll uh, yeah look forward to it. Be good. But thanks for your time, Andrew. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.